Welcome to the Money Advantage Podcast, empowering business owners with the permission to think differently about money so that you can consciously choose to live a meaningful and fulfilled life now. Our passion is making money simple, fun, and doable, helping you feel great about your money and getting your money working for you so you can thrive. Hi, and welcome back to the Money Advantage Podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Marshall and Bruce Weiner. Good morning, Bruce. Good morning, Rachel. Um, it's going to be really fun. I really liked it when we do these types of podcasts where we take an article somebody has written and try to uh, condense it down to the talking points for our listeners, especially uh, the business owners. So I'm looking forward to doing this podcast. Absolutely. Today, we're going to be reviewing a Forbes article entitled The Rich Person Roth for the Most Tax-Free Retirement Income. This was written by David Ray and has some fabulous insights that we're going to bring out in today's podcast. So kind of the main idea as we launch in is that millions of Americans are going to see these tax increases in 2018 with the lower standardized deductions and the 10,000 cap on the deduction for salt tax or the um, state and local tax. And so they're looking at doing more tax planning and how do they do that? So one tax minimizing strategy is using a Roth IRA because it offers tax-free income, but there's limitations to that. And so we're going to discuss what this article brings out and how we can switch gears to really do the best tax planning. Yeah, and I think you you hit on this, Rachel. A lot of people, and I've seen I'm seeing this with my own uh, clients. the The tax plan by President Trump that was enacted by Congress is saving money for people that are on the in the lower tax brackets, and I believe it's saving money for the people in the upper tax brackets. The middle class, I believe, are saving money, maybe not as much. But it's the upper middle class to the lower, what people would consider inside the upper 20% or so. I'm noticing that uh, because of the, the caps on the deductions, that there are some, well, not just some, but quite a few people that are actually going to pay more income tax. And, mm-hmm. you know, some people that are listening to this are going to be in that category. The the difference here is oftentimes those people then are making more than the caps. And we'll talk about this in a little bit, but Roth IRAs are actually capped um, at a certain adjusted gross income. So those people are saying, well, I would do a Roth, but I can't because I make too much money. So right. those people oh, are even more, they're more frustrated. <laughs> Right, right. And so there's a situation as well that there's contribution limits for um, anyone who is putting money into a Roth IRA, and they can only put up to 5500 into an IRA or a Roth IRA, or 6500 if they're 50 years old or older. Yeah, but let's, and- just, let's just update that because that was for this year. In 2019, they actually have upped Starting in 2000, you're talking about 2018 numbers. 2019 numbers will be 6,000 and a catch up to 7,000 after age 50. All right. So we'll make sure that we update that. So 
So if you wanted to put more money aside and do tax planning where you're not going to pay tax in the future on more of your income, what do you do? Um, so then, Bruce, you also mentioned that many people are making too much money to be able to contribute to Roths in the first place. Let's talk about those income limits. Yeah. So in 2019, the single limit will be $122,000. So if you're single and your adjusted gross income is is over $122,000, you're not even able to contribute to a uh, Roth IRA. And for married couples, it's not even doubled. It's a lot less than double. It's $193,000. Now, a couple things. First uh, off, we ought to explain what a Roth IRA is. A Roth IRA is an individual retirement account that you pay with after tax money. So you do not get a tax break when you put it into it. But then all the growth of that particular uh, Roth IRA in the future, when you're allowed to remove it, the growth will not be taxable. And in most cases, that's 59 and a half. So mm-hmm. we want to remind people that we're, we are not CPAs and we're not offering anybody that's listening any individual advice. We are just reviewing this article to tell people how um, a Roth IRA works, but it doesn't work for everyone. Right. So then if you're over those income thresholds, then a Roth becomes not really even available for you, right? Correct. Correct. So then you then you have to look at, you know, doing even a regular IRA, which is not that exciting for people for a variety of reasons. One is you still have the same contribution limits. And if you're if you're just a gross income for a married couple is $193,000 plus, putting away just $7,000 for somebody that's over age 50 or just $6,000 for somebody under the age 50, you're not really placing money into a, a place, whether it's a regular IRA or a Roth IRA, where you can get the kind of growth that you might need, the cash flow you might need in the future to support you making $193,000 like you were when you weren't working. Oh, sure. I mean, I'm not sure the math on that, but you're not even able to put much aside. I mean, even if you said, okay, I'm able to put approximately $6,000 aside for, I don't know, 20 years, that's only 120000 total. Right. And right. That's not even enough for one year of income. Correct. So, so there has some limitations, even if you do not consider the fact that you lose control of the money. So both the IRAs and the Roth IRAs, the Roth IRAs, you lose a little less control because there are some um, benefits that the money that you put into it, as long as it's in there for five years, you can get you can get access to the actual contributions. You just can't get access to the growth without IRS attack taxes and penalties. So you're giving up control. You have limits on how much you can put in, and those limits are so low that you probably aren't even going to get the kind of accumulation that you're looking for to support the kind of lifestyle that you were hoping for in the future. Absolutely. So I think we've laid a really 
clear picture for the need for tax planning and the tool that most people turn to as a tool for tax planning is not working for many reasons. And so this article brings up an idea that a rich person Roth is one of the easiest ways for high earners to unlock more tax-free income in the future. And so this is really another name for cash value life insurance. And it goes by many other names as well. I think it's been called a um, rich person Roth or rich people Roth or richer man's Roth. Um, I think they've also called it life insurance retirement plans. You might have heard of infinite banking policy or cash flow banking policy. Somebody, some people call it a 7702, which is the actual uh, place in the IRS code that makes cash value life insurance, dividends and interest tax free. So some people refer to it as a 7702 plan. So there's a variety. You're right. There's a variety of things that people call this. Yeah. So let's talk about why it's better. And then the article even brought up some pros and cons that we should probably talk about as well. So really, why is this better than the basic Roth IRA? Well, first of all, I like the fact that this particular writer, David Ray, who is the personal finance person for Forbes, he says, I'm an independent certified financial planner who works in a fiduciary capacity. So mm-hmm. in other words, he also does securities related um, planning. And so he has to, because he's securities related planning, he has to uh, abide by what's in the best interest of the client. Now, I'm not saying that insurance producers don't uh, do, do what's in the best interest of the client, but by law, um, independent certified financial planners have to do that. So he is a person who's touting this, even though he has access to any kind of financial vehicle that you that you would be doing. So, Which I think it's really important to point out that all financial vehicles do their own job really well. And so as he's talking about here, how do we make sure that we minimize our taxable income in the future? he's bringing up this one tool that's going to be head and shoulders really above most of the other options in doing that. Yeah. And he also points out that some of the richest Americans have chosen to park some of their wealth into IRS sanctioned cash valued life insurance policies. And I'd like to uh, point this out again. These are IRS sanctioned tax-free growth. And one of the reasons that some of the richest Americans do that is because there are not any IRS limitations on how much money you can put in these particular things. It is based upon your your uh, your own wealth, your habits, and whether you are staying within the MEC limits that are set up. So he's actually pointing out that he uses this, and, and I know of a lot of uh, my clients that use this, to actually park some of their wealth. And the reason they do it is, Rachel, one of the things that I've, I have gotten frustrated with over the 12 years that I have been uh, doing this type of planning is we will have people that will have money in tax-deferred positions, which would be an IRA, 401ks, 457s, those kind of things. And they're not necessarily using it for income, although some of them do. 
and then they they want to do something with that money. They want to go on a trip with it. They want to give it to their grandkids for college. They want to put an addition on their house. But mm-hmm. then when you say, well, how much do you want? And they say, well, I'd like to go $10,000 for this trip to Europe. And I say, okay, because of your tax bracket, we're going to have to remove about 15000 pay the taxes on that fifteen, and then you'll net 10000 And a person says, well, I don't want to take 15000 out. Right. So I'm just not going to do it. And right. people lessen their enjoyment about life because they have to pay the tax uh, to actually have that enjoyment. And, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm frustrated with that. So if people peel off some of their wealth and put it into a cash value, uh, whole life insurance, in our opinion, the rich person's Roth, then when they have these product projects to do or investment opportunities, Right. They can actually pull it out and not worry about the taxes and people are more likely to do it. Which actually, I think that goes back to the last article we addressed as well that was talking about um, 401ks being used as piggy banks. And yes. now today we're not talking about 401ks, but the idea that we all need that cash to be able to access, whether it is for a vacation or a project or a remodel or a wedding for your kids or college we have all of these things that are coming up throughout our life. And then we also have money that we want to invest. Maybe that's putting into a business or buying another business or buying real estate or whatever you want to use the money for. When that is taxable, it is harder to get to that money because yes, you you lose a huge portion of what you had available. So I think the three things that really make the rich person's Roth or the cash value life insurance stand out in terms of tax planning are first, you mentioned, Bruce, that you can put in as much as you want. It's not limited to that 6000 or $7,000 that you can put in. So you can put in a lot more than that as your financial economy and your personal situation allows. And then you have tax-free growth, and then you have tax-free withdrawal. Now, the death benefit also is income tax-free to your heirs. And while you're living, you can also utilize that cash value via policy loans up to 100% of what's accessible tax-free. So there are, of course, cases where it's not tax-free if you don't use it correctly or sometimes with withdrawals over the cost basis that you've put in. But there's many ways that you can use this tax-free. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a contract with an insurance company. So mm-hmm. I just want to make very this very clear. The IRS doesn't have any limits to what you put in it, but the insurance companies may have limits based upon your financial situation. Frankly, they don't want to insure anybody that's worth more dead or than alive because they don't want any incentive for you to be dead. The, the second thing is, is that they must follow these modified endowment contract rules within there. So it's not that there would be limits, but you'd have to buy more life insurance to actually have a grow tax-free, which is not necessarily a bad thing because purchasing more life insurance in almost every case is, is less than the, the taxes that you would have to pay on this. So it, it is specially designed life insurance contract, but if you're looking to grow your money tax-free and have control over it, and have no limitations placed on the by the IRS on how much you can put into it, then that's why 
this particular article says this is the perfect place uh, for people to store money for not only for their future, but for now. I want to point out something that I thought was really interesting in this article, um, because as we're talking about a rich person Roth, we said sometimes it's also called a rich man's Roth. And I want to point out that it's not just for men, um, as should be understood just in our culture and the day and age that we are now. But this is also a tremendous benefit to women as well. Now, historically and statistically, women live longer than men. So they have, when they have assets, they have longer amount of time for those to compound tax-free. And especially when you're using a tax advantage tool like cash value life insurance, that's a longer length of time for you to grow and compound tax-free and have that uninterrupted compound interest. There's also a lower cost of insurance, which means it's going to build cash value more quickly and also give you a higher death benefit. Yeah. And another thing that now that you brought that up is it's a people may be listening to this and say, yes, but I can't qualify for life insurance because I'm not healthy or I uh, my habits don't allow this, whether you're a uh, you know skydiver or, or a deep sea diver, sometimes those can have limitations. But what we show our clients is there are three parts to every life insurance policy. There's an owner, there's the insured, and there's a beneficiary. The owner is just that. They own the policy. It doesn't have to be the insured. So if you're not healthy, you could use a spouse or somebody that you have an insurable interest in, a family member, a child, um, a parent. A business a partner. A business partner, exactly. Parents. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's a, so that shouldn't disqualify you for being able to do this, uh, to uh, take advantage of that. The other thing is, is that when a person looks at the IRS uh, and it's a Roth IRA, I always, I've said this on the podcast before, I think it's weird that the government in 19, I believe it's 73 or 74, brought, up, brought in the IRA, the individual retirement account, because they were telling people, we want you to be able to save taxes. And now in 1999, they they said, or not now, but in 1999, they said, oh, we're going to let you not save taxes now, but save taxes in the future. Well, it seems like they don't know which way is best for people. And Mm -hmm. I would say that one of the reasons that they may have changed is they saw the kind of government spending that was going on, and they would rather have the taxes now than in the future. So they have sent people to do Roth IRAs by taking money and converting it to a Roth IRA. So whether you pay taxes now and put it in a Roth IRA or pay taxes now and put it into a rich person's IRA or cash valued life insurance, what you're doing is something that the government is indicating that they want tax money now because they are afraid that they have a lot of expenses coming right now and governments tend to kick the kick the uh, can down the road and mm-hmm. don't take care of the future, but they, they're figuring they got to take care of it right now. So I would say that that's an indication that a person should go ahead and pay your taxes now because the taxes are going to get more expensive in the future. <laughs> 
And I would completely agree. I mean, the article pointed out what you just said about um, the possibility that you might not be insurable and also a couple other drawbacks to using a rich person's Roth. So they also did mention that your contributions are not tax deductible. So you're not getting a current tax break by putting your money into the rich person's Roth or into life insurance today, but you are getting those large tax advantages over time. And I always say that I would rather pay tax on the seed than let my money grow and not have to pay tax on the harvest Mm -hmm. because A, the harvest is going to be bigger than the seed and B, if I am in a known tax environment today, I'd rather go ahead and take care of the tax than postpone till the future when, as you're talking about with government spending and the deficit, we have no idea how increased the taxes could be in the future. And I just really don't want to play that risk with my money. Yeah. So what he talks about is there's there's the three biggest rate uh, risk in your financial security are taxation, stock market risk, and longevity. Well, when you use yeah. a rich person IRA, you take the taxation out of it, you take the stock market out of it, and if you could take two of those three out of it, the longevity risk is then lessened. Now, whenever you're looking at this, longevity risk is increased because if if you have taxation, because your money might, you know, grow, but as you get older and older and older, and if you feel like taxes are going to go up in the future, I'm fine. What, what happens is I'm finding that even now, people don't realize this, but Part B Medicare, which is basically a tax that you have to pay in 2018, the more you make now in retirement, the more you have to pay for your Part B Medicare. So that's an increased tax that we're already seeing. So that's putting pressure on people's retirement accounts because they have to take more out to pay for this new tax. So Mm -hmm. taxation in the future is going to cause longevity risk. If you believe taxes in the future are going to go up, longevity risk simply means outliving your money. Well, it's going to be easier to outlive your money if you have greater taxes in the future. Now, some people might be saying, well, this is great. This this grows tax-free now, but can't Congress change that? I hear hear this all the time. What if Congress changes that? Now, I'm not saying Congress couldn't change it, but there's actually precedent on this before in the early 80s. They did change part of the law because people were putting very large amounts of money into these cash value life insurance and having very low death benefits. And Congress came and said, no, that's an investment. That's not a life insurance contract. We're not going to put rules in that say you have to have so much of a death benefit that parallels your contribution. But because it's a contract, they allow, they and they can't, they can't change contract law, or that's because that's kind of the fabric of our society. They grandfathered every contract that was already in place. So I'm not saying they're going to do that in the future, but because contract law is the fabric of society, one would think that they would do that in the future, even if they started to tax some of the growth into the future. So I guess the moral of that story would be, 
get in before <laughs> yeah. the law changes, right? Right. right. Yeah, we, we so joke about that all the time. It's like, I'm not trying to rush you here, but uh, if that's what <laughs> you're thinking might happen, you might want to get into this a little sooner than, than later. Right. So they also outlined several other benefits of using cash value during retirement specifically. And so they said, instead of using only interest from other accounts to preserve principal, what this allows you to do then is to be able to spend down the interest in other accounts and spend the principal as well. So you're fully draining other retirement accounts, knowing that you're going to have the cash value life insurance and the death benefit then that are going to be able to go back and replenish your legacy. So what I mean by that is that say you had you had retirement accounts that were you were planning to be able to live until you were done living and then have a legacy to pass on to your kids. Well, instead of having to preserve that principle to pass down to your kids and only living on the interest, meaning that you have less to use today mm-hmm. during your lifetime, you instead can use up all of that money so you can increase your lifestyle today. And then know that the death benefit of your life insurance in this other asset is going to backfill and give your legacy onto your kids that you want to give. I draw buckets on a piece of paper all the time. Uh, I say, especially people that want to do this, Rachel, Mm -hmm. and and they say, well, I I don't, I want to leave this hundred thousand to my kids. I know. And people apologize for that all the time. They say, I know it's silly but I just want to do it. And I say, don't apologize for this. I mean, you, if that's how you want to treat your family, then go ahead and do it. However, if we, if we first do it in the rich person's Roth, we can then, and I draw a bucket. I say, we're going to take the money from the bucket. We're going to put it into the Roth IRA, rich person's Roth, Roth. And then you're going to be able to spend it. And then upon your death, the rich person's Roth death benefit will actually fill the bucket back up. And now now you get the best of both worlds. And I think it's an amazing, I mean, it's that giving nature that, that makes us want to give a legacy and make the life lives of people around us better. I mean, that's a part of um, just this, contribution that I think we're all meant to be able to give. And when we can be empowered to do that more effectively and not have to worry about our lifestyle in the process, that's an even more powerful position. I mean, you're empowered then to not only live, but be able to give back. And I think that just makes anyone feel better about the choices that they're making. Yeah. So to continue on this, we've already said there's no contribution limits. You have uh, tax-free income in, in retirement if that's what you want to do. And, and once again, if you have tax-free um, income in retirement, it won't affect, and we won't go into this today because I'd like to have a special Social Security um, podcast later on, but Social Security is taxed according to how much income you have. And I already mentioned this, uh, you can also increase your Medicare premium. So if we can take money from places and don't have to put it on our tax return, we could save money on how much taxes we pay on Social Security, and we could save money on how much we now pay on our Medicare premiums in in uh, a, a rich person's Roth. Uh, we'll do that for you for your for your taxes. So it's got many many benefits for a. So Bruce, let's go into what you just said for one okay. second. So how would somebody get that tax free income from the rich person's Roth? Well, from there's, their- there's a cu- there's a couple of ways to do it. You. You're going to be building up cash value. 
And because you have cash value, value, you can collateralize by state law. Each state by state law says the insurance companies must. This is something a lot of people don't know. The insurance companies that want to do business in that particular state. And by the way, it's in all 50 states have the same law. If you want to do business in our state, you must allow people to gain access to their money in the form of a loan from their insurance policies. Now, I'm sure some people are sitting out there thinking, well, why would I want to loan, uh, have a loan my money and pay interest on it? It's because your money stays in the policy, continue to earn interest and guaranteed, I'm sorry, guaranteed interest and, uh, and dividends. And then they charge you an interest to loan the money. And if the policy is designed properly, you can get close to a net zero on that particular transaction. So there's no, there's no asking for this, um, for, for, for forgiveness or permission to have this loan. You just simply sign a piece of paper and they send the money right to your bank account. The other way you can mm-hmm. do it is you can just take out the um, cash just straight out without being a loan, if that's what you want to do. Even if you're shown Mm -hmm. every benefit of taking it out as a loan, you say, no, I don't want a loan. I just want to take it out. You can just take it straight out. Or you could have, the third way is you can just have the dividend sent to you every year. And Nelson Nash, who we've had on the podcast, he funds his entire retirement with dividends that he has set up uh, through his life insurance policies. Once they go over the cap, the cost basis, they could potentially become taxable. So then he just switches it to a loan and then loans are not taxable. So it's not very difficult. You just sign pieces of paper. So I think the point with that is that you can turn the cash value into an income stream. And however you do that, the longer you have the policy in force, and the more you fund it with, the more cash value you're going to have. And then therefore, the more that you're going to be able to draw out. So one of those mechanisms, again, is the policy loans. Another is taking the money out through withdrawals. And a third would be through dividends. Yes. Having that income And I stream. like Lloyd David Ray said it in his Forbes um, article. He says, to get tax-free withdrawals, you're technically taking a loan against the death benefit from the insurance company. Um the insurance company will likely charge you interest for this benefit and loan. Look for policies with zero net loans. This means you pay interest on your loan, but the insurance companies will still credit interest, accumulation or gains, depending on how you have it invested, like the funds are still in the policy, basically washing out the cost of the interest, hence the name zero net loans equals zero net interest costs. And this is something that a person has very difficult time understanding. But if you just simply think of it as if I had my money someplace like in a savings account and it was making me 5% interest and then I went to buy a car and the car loan was 5% interest, well, then it wouldn't make any sense to take the money out and pay cash for the car. You could leave the money in make 5% and pay a 5% loan and your net worth would still be exactly the same. Right. 
Now, you know, people are saying, I know right now, I say, well, you can't get 5%, you know, in, in your savings account. You you cannot, but in a, in a rich person's Roth, there are many cases where the cash uh, guaranteed interest and the dividends will get you a tax, a tax efficient 5% return on the money. You know, Bruce, I think there's one other thing that we want to bring up here. Well, there's probably several other amazing points through this article, but I do want to point out as well that having this cash value that you can use during retirement also allows you to use a reverse mortgage if that's something that you would want to do. So it it opens up an opportunity for other tools of assets that you can use for income. So that still would then give you, if you use the reverse mortgage and used up the equity in your home as your income, you still would have the death benefit of the life insurance than to backfill that legacy. So if, for instance, you were wanting to gift your house to your children, and that was going to be a part of your will and your trust that you're handing down, if instead you use up that asset and you're able to backfill and use the death benefit of the life insurance policy, you're accomplishing the same thing, but allowing yourself more options yes. along the way. And Rachel, I think this comes down to, as we wrap this up, what, what Mr. Ray was saying here is, you really, it's, it's a, the concept is what you have to grasp. So it's about the strategy. It's not about, well, which insurance company should I use? Or is my situation perfect for this? You have to talk to somebody that understands your complete financial picture. And mm-hmm. can this strategy work for you? And it can work for business. Then the other reason I like it for business owners and we, we get as many business owners in this as possible is when they put their money into a SEP IRA as a business owner and they need to access that money for something in the business, they cannot access it. It's locked up. It's like in prison. Mm-hmm. Well, if they put it into this, a rich person's Roth um, IRA, then they can access it for times that they can either you know, invest into their own business when there's slow times, if they want to invest mm-hmm. into another business. So it's like, and they get insurance. And if there's partners, they have insurance on each other, or they can take it out on a key man. I have one client that owns a, a point of sale business, a merchant services business, and his top salesman, he took out a, a, a cash value life insurance policy on his top salesman as a key man insurance. And he also then used it as an incentive of deferred comp for the salesman said, if you stay with me for 10 years, I'm sorry, five years, you stay with me for five years, I will then give you the cash value that's in this life insurance policy. So you can see how he can use the money over those five years, if he wants, the the uh, mm-hmm. owner can. He is using it to take to put key insurance on his salesperson, his top salesperson, in case he dies. And then he's also using it as deferred comp to incent the salesperson to stay with him. So whenever you control your money, you can make $1 do multiple things. And I'm so glad you pointed that out. I was going to say, you're getting your dollar to multitask and it's not just accomplishing one purpose, but you're getting it to do all three of those things at the same time. And that is really a powerful position to be in when you're in control of your money. 
So I'll again point out the same thing that you said, Bruce. This is something that you want to look at and figure out how does this fit in your financial situation? This isn't something that you would put all of your assets into. It You would determine your needs based on your financial picture, your goals, what you're trying to accomplish, and how you feel about what you want to do with your money as well. So the article talks about that um, there's people that have improperly sold life insurance to meet sales quotas or earn commissions. And that is true. You want to make sure you're getting a full education on what you want and need so that you can be a savvy decision maker in your financial life. You don't just want to trust what somebody else tells you to do. You want to know why you're making those decisions. Yeah, it's one of my pet peeves when I start talking to somebody about this and they say, oh, well, I, I heard I shouldn't do this because people only sell it for the commissions. And I'm, and, I, and I'm saying, yes, there, I'm sure there are people out there for the commissions, but nobody says that about putting money in the stock market. Well, your only reason you want me to put the money in the stock market is because you're making 1% fees on me um, every month. And Right, which is true. It's just not the way people talk about yeah, it. Yeah, and, and I don't understand why it is, although I think it's just because 401ks have become kind of the only thing that you can do uh, for the most part within a corporate environment, people think, well, this must be okay then to pay these fees for this because it's approved by my corporation. It has tax benefits, so it must be approved by the government. And, you know, I don't understand because there's all kinds of uproar with Congress having like an 18% approval rating. And Congress is the one who made this tax deferral. So, But people think, well, it must be good because the government said it was good, but yet they don't approve of what the government's doing. It's it's kind of it's kind of a weird dynamic when you think about it. That's why it's important to think about your thinking. Think right? about your thinking. Yes. So I think in in a whole, when we look at this tool for being able to lower your future tax your your taxes on future income. We want to make sure that you're planning efficiently for not just today, but also the future and making sure that we're accomplishing all of your goals in the most efficient way possible and getting your dollars to do more than one thing. So think about this. How could a full 360 degree analysis of your tax strategy help you to minimize your taxes today and in the future? And how might life insurance be a tool that you could use to reduce your tax liability? If you want to assess your financial picture and your goals to design an individualized strategy that optimizes your personal economy, you can send us an email at hello at the money advantage to request a financial picture conversation. Thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you to you, Bruce, just for sharing your wealth of wisdom and helping us to really understand not only the life insurance environment, but how it applies to all of the things that we're trying to accomplish. And today's show notes and resources are available for you at themoneyadvantage.com. In closing, remember, success leaves clues. So model the successful few, not the crowd, and build a life and business you love. To learn how high-performing entrepreneurs 10x or more returns on liquid capital without giving up quick access to cash, go to themoneyadvantage.com forward slash liquid dash capital to get The Unfair Advantage, your 20-minute easy-to-read guide on maximizing your savings. 
Thank you for listening to the Money Advantage podcast. Today's show notes and resources are available for you on the moneyadvantage.com. If you like this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review. If you have any questions or desire to speak with a qualified financial professional after listening to today's podcast, we encourage you to reach out to us at hello at themoneyadvantage.com or check us out at themoneyadvantage.com. The opinions and views expressed here are for informational purposes only. This material is educational in nature and should not be deemed as a solicitation of any specific product or service. All investments involve risk and a potential loss of principal. Kalos Capital Incorporated nor Kalos Management Incorporated offer tax or legal advice. Please consult with a tax advisor or attorney for advice regarding the impact on your portfolio. Securities offered through Kalos Capital Incorporated Member FINRA, SIPC, MSRB, and Investment Advisory Services offered through Kalos Management Incorporated and Registered Investment Advisor, both located at 11525 Parkwood Circle, Alpharetta, Georgia. E3 Consultants Group is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Kalos Capital Incorporated or Kalos Management Incorporated.